Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast. You've heard the story before, England lose by innings away from home. New Zealand bowled England out on the final day at the Bay Oval to claim the first test of the series by an innings and 65 runs. Neil Wagner was superb for the hosts, carrying the attack after Trent Bolt was taken off injured in the first session, finishing with figures of 5 for 44. As impressive as New Zealand were, England will be left ruining a selection of unnecessary shots. Root, Stokes, Pope and Archer followed Burns and Sibley yesterday in playing shots they just did not need to play when batting out for the draw. I'm Yazron and on the phone with me from the ground at the Bay Oval is the editor of the Wizard Almanac, Lawrence Booth. Lawrence, this might seem like quite a long time ago, but the first half of the day went quite well for England. What did you make of their initial approach in the morning where they... Seem to opt for survival from ball one. Yeah, I mean, they, they went out with instructions to find a way of, of batting out the day. However, that worked for each individual player. Now, most of them seem to take that to mean they, they're just going to block their way to to a draw, uh, which, you know, is, is fine. It's, it's, it's worked before for England, but they're, they're not for a while. Um, but it was interesting, at the, right at the end, the little partnership between Curran and Archer, where they, they put on 50 in no time, made you wonder whether... If someone else had had a dart at some point, England might have got ahead of New Zealand's score and um, we're into that sort of runs-counting double scenario that we mentioned yesterday, but it, it didn't happen. Um, England didn't quite have the, uh, the wherewithal, the nous, the spirit to, to resist New Zealand and they, they've succumbed to their, I think, second heaviest defeat by New Zealand in, in Test history. It was an odd one in that it was it would be very it's very frustrating for England in how they lost their wickets, but in the end they weren't that far away from securing the draw. Was England's thinking still a bit, bit muddled though? They opted to bat more conservatively than usual, but Stokes, Root, Pope, Archer, they all they all played shots they definitely didn't need to. Um uh, for for all the talk of England's new measured approach, is it unrealistic to see instant results, one test into the Silverwood reign? Well, it is unrealistic. Um, I mean, that, that excuse won't wash for too long. They've, they've got to start start winning games. I mean, I, I do I do agree with you that they were. Uh, it, was a, it was a confused approach today because, on the one hand, as you say, they were trying to, to block their way to a draw. On the other, some of the shots they played were were, were not sort of um, synonymous with the kind of the draw-inducing test. It was they, you know it started with Joe Root poking a short one from the ground on to to Gully Stokes uh, sort of cut one. He could probably have left alone. Um, Pope chased a hopelessly wide one for the second time in the game. Just about the left alone one that hit the bottom of off stump. You know, Joe Denley was probably alone in uh, sort of being absolved from blame. He got a good one from from Wagner that reared and took his glove as he tried to leave it alone. So it, it was it 
it was a mixed performance from England, and they've, you know, they, they, they look like a confused side at the moment. They're saying all the right things about batting big in the first innings and finding a way of taking 20 wickets overseas, but uh, they didn't bat big in the first innings. They threw away a score of 277 for four. 353 was never going to be enough. They needed 500, and then they took nine wickets, not 20. So an awful lot of work to do, you know, not just to get back into this series, which they need to do by winning uh, Hamilton starts on, on Friday the second test, but but turning themselves into a credible force overseas now that you know the Ashes are two years away, and, and, and frankly Silverwood might be thinking that they need both of those two years to to work on their on their game. And with a series in India next year as well that that, that looks even more daunting. Um, on New Zealand, how how impressed were you by Neil Wagner's spell today? Particularly considering that he probably had to bowl more than he usually would do with Trent Bolt going off the field after just one over in the morning. Yeah, Wagner is, is an astonishing cricketer, isn't he? When you look at the, the speeds, he, he, he notches up on the, on the speed gun. He's, he's about the same pace as Sam Curran. Um, so late 70s, early 80s on, on a good day. But he just keeps going in. He knows what his role is. The batsmen know exactly what's coming. But generally speaking, they can't resist him. Um, you know, he, he changed his angle. He changed... Uh, he didn't always bowl bounces. He went full a couple of times. Joss Butler, in particular, as we mentioned earlier, was, was done by a full one that he... He just ushered onto the base of Ofsted. Um, he's, he's a tireless bowler and a perfect foil to guys like uh, to Bolt to the South and even even the Grandon, who was, who was pretty steady in this game. Um, so yeah, it, the, the difference on the last day was Wagner. But let's let's face it, New Zealand bowled and batted their way into a into a position where they they were able to bowl last uh, against England on, on a pitch that started to, to uh, perform tricks, uh, and they fully deserve this victory. Do you expect any changes to the England side for the second test? Yeah, good question. I mean, it's, it's going to be a classic, isn't it, where the batsmen have failed twice, but they'll probably drop a bowler. Um, that, that is what usually happens in these circumstances. Um, they'll look at this and say, 603 for nine, uh, so, something's got to change with, with the bowling attack, probably. My like Chris Wokes is waiting in the wings, but why not have a look at a couple of the new guys? Um, Shaki Mahmood is here, Matt Parkinson, the, the Lancashire leg spinner. This, this test series doesn't count towards the ICC Championship, and if Silverwood is serious about having a look at guys ahead of the Ashes in two years' time, then why not use the second test to see what these, these guys are made of? I mean, whoever gets dropped will feel hard done by, but, but that is uh, the ruthless nature of test cricket. On, on this evidence, England do have to shake something out. Well, thanks for chatting to us, Lawrence. Speak to you during the second test match. Thanks, lot. Yeah, it's all the best. I'm with Ben Garner yet again. Ben, let's first go through some of the dismissals, in particular the, the root dismissal. He half-heartedly cut a short ball from the Grundholm to Gully and you could sort of see his muddled thinking in the shot. He initially wanted to to smash it and then realised, oh, we're saving the game here. Let's defend it. And then he ended up doing neither and he went straight to Tom Latham Gully. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that basically exactly sums it up and that's, uh, you couldn't have really asked for a more perfect encapsulation of where England kind of are as a test team right now. Not sure, really sure what their best method is or, or maybe, maybe if they know what the best method is, they don't quite maybe aren't quite good enough to to implement it yet or it just it's just a momentary lapses and that's all it takes in test cricket um yeah and it's i mean for root itself it's just the latest in a a line of 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 failures and which hasn't performed to the standard you'd basically expect from him. he averages 27 this year in test cricket he averages now less than 40 with the bat as captain it's hard to avoid i mean yeah it's hard to avoid the conclusion that the captaincy is is burdening him to the point where England are kind of losing the best years of like one of the best batsmen they've kind of ever produced. He's still in his 20s. Yeah. With the England play, he can still play another 80 test matches. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and uh, you mentioned earlier the 
well, when we're talking in the office, that uh, Alistair Cook is, is, the, is an example of a player who struggled a lot with the batter's captain and then came back and had some more good years. So there maybe is some hope for it. And it's, quite, it's one of those decisions that only like the England management can tell, but uh, should be some serious consideration over his long-term future in the role, especially because something that we've mentioned before in this pod, it, it, so much of England's planning is framed around the ashes in 2021, 22. And it, firstly, it shouldn't be because all test cricket matters and especially with the World Test Championship. But also they're going to play in India at the start of 2021 and play five tests there. India at home are about as good as any test side have ever been at home. They've lost, they've won four, they've had four innings wins on the bounce. England are going to do well to avoid losing by an innings in just one of those games. Like, and I don't, I don't really see how like a captain who's already gone through what Root has gone through is going to come through that really. So like, it's just, it's just entirely fanciful to think he's going to be leading England. That doesn't mean he's not the man for, for right now, but yeah, it's a, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's unthinkable as those numbers would have been three years ago for Root to average 27 in a calendar year. No one or very few people were saying when he was appointed captain that this guy is a brilliant natural leader. It was more because there was a lack of other options. Are we not still in the same boat where there, are, there, there aren't that many realistic options? Yeah, that that is true. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> sadly the, the, the main argument for keeping Root as captain uh, yeah the, the the most realistic option to me and I think to you as well is, is Stuart Broad who didn't have a great time as T20 captain but I don't think that has much, much T20s relevance. didn't count back then yeah exactly yeah it seems like he's got a pretty good cricket brain I think I think also the fact that he um, the fact that he's, his legs he's already secure will probably take some of the prestige and the pressure off the role it won't seem such a landmark moment that England are appointing their their captain for the next five years or whatever they're just like picking the guy who's best suited to the role right now and I think also you can imagine Broad bringing like a certain light touch to it that could help to kind of like alleviate or like disperse what's gone before so I I think there's a lot to recommend with that I think the one thing is is that say he was to become captain ahead of South Africa he then wouldn't probably earn a place in the side for their tour of Sri Lanka but that's no bad thing right though you're talking about lowering the prestige of the role that that's a prime prime example you could have the permanent test captain not on the team and that's not a big deal because yeah. England would have known that when they appointed him. And especially if England are trying to groom whoever their successor should be, whether that's Joss Butler maybe or Rory Burns, whoever that happens to be, uh, that's quite a good way for them to, to get to grips with the role. I mean, Alistair Cook captained in two tests in Bangladesh uh, earlier in his career while Strauss had a bit of a break and then captain later on. It's uh, that There's precedent for it. I think Yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a lot to recommend. I think I, I quite like that idea. But do you see a scenario where either Root actually resigns or England ask him to take a break from the captaincy? No, it would be it would be a huge step to take this early on when they have made this quite bold claim that he's going to take them as 21-22. So I'd, it'd be very surprising for it to be after the next test. It would, and it would, ta- it would take it going quite badly wrong in South Africa for that to happen. And England, it, for, for, for all that's happened here, they have quite a good chance in South Africa who are a test team also on the wane. Uh, and New Zealand are like the, the the main the main reason England lost this test is because of how good New Zealand are really like they know how to play on flat pitches and they just utterly outplayed England in all departments basically. Ollie Pope's dismissal was pretty poor too, spooning a very very wide one from Wagner to Sanna who took a sensational catch, absolutely brilliant. Um, at that point of the day, I was thinking why aren't England batting even more conservatively? Uh, but then you made quite an interesting point about 
the mindset it takes to actually bat out a day. It's not as simple as go on, go and do it. Um, South Africa were a team this decade who did it on a couple of occasions really well in India in uh, 2015. South Africa once scored 143 off 143 overs uh, to, to try and save a test. Amla hit 25 off 244 balls. You you were saying that that's that's not that's not so easy. Yeah, well, there's there's a, there's a, a few things to say on this. Firstly, a lot of this comes from a very very good article by Alex Bowden on King Cricket or Code UK that you can go and have a look at when he interviewed AB de Villiers to talk about the art of stonewalling. It's like it seems like the most uh, unlikely th- or the, th- the thing you'd least likely to ask AB de Villiers is, is, is how you block a ball. But he, but he also scored forty three off I think about three hundred and fifty balls in that game. Also scored thirty three off two hundred and something balls against Australia in 2012 so he he knows how to do it and the thing the thing is is that it's like players bat best when they're not thinking about it and we also underestimate just how much of like batting at the top level is really just about reacting you don't really make conscious decisions when something's coming down at you at 80 or 90 miles an hour because it's just it's just too quick to do that um so if if you add a conscious decision in there which is uh I'm deciding to set my stall out and to not play any attacking shots. That's almost when you get caught in two minds. And I mean, as much as you saw that with Ollie Pope, sort of like he definitely could have left that ball, but he's also probably hit before every single like wide full toss he's faced in his career up until this point. Uh, you also probably saw it in Joss Butler's dismissal, who like thinking I'm not going to play any attacking shots, just didn't play a shot at all against the ball, which smashed off stump. Um, so and and I guess yeah the, the the other thing to mention is that those rear guards were like done by in in India Amy de Villiers and Tashi Mamla two of the greatest bats in the modern era and in Australia Faf Du Plessis who's also a very very good Test match has been contributed as well also in the India one face a lot of spin where I think you can probably make more of a conscious decision to be like I'm not going to play any attacking shots but against pace like it's 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 not a split it's not even a split second decision it's a reaction and. I think you do. It's 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 much harder than it's made to sound when you say just block it. But it's also something that England should be working towards. It doesn't. It's not. It's not exactly an excuse. It's just like it's not like a moral failing to hit a wide full toss to to extra cut to cover or whatever. You know. Do you think the pitch's deterioration had anything to do with how today went? In the end, England were only twenty or so overs away from saving the Test match. Archer and Curran batted uh, for a good fifteen to twenty overs. Whilst there were a lot of bad shots. Joe Denley, who is probably the pick of the England batsman today, he got out to one that leapt unexpectedly and uh, caught his glove as it went through to the keeper. Yeah, it was it was weirdly that sort of pitch, wasn't it? There was never a stage where it was going up and down every single ball. Also, weirdly, every single bit of uneven bounce seemed to have been conveniently preceded by another ball in the exact same spot that had like gone a bit lower. It was it was really useful for the side team for that to have happened. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, uneven bounce definitely played a part in the Denley dismissal. Who was yeah unlucky leaving one and it just it just got up too high and, and nicked him on the glove uh, and if you think back through the test there were a few other instances of that and it's, it's funny because the pitch obviously was in general a very flat one and quite a tough one to bowl on but you also had like one in every about 50 overs like something would happen and I think that that that's almost in a way almost worse than the pitch just being flat because it makes it it's it's still a lottery in a sense it's just like a lottery that's <laughs> stacked in the favour of the batsman so yeah, a, f- a funny old pitch. I mean, yeah. We heard Lawrence's view on potential change for the second test match. He wants to see the two new young Lancashire lads in the team. What do you think? I don't think I would make any changes. Um, I think 
England picked the right side. I think they were just outplayed. I also think that they should be trying to win every test they play. I don't know if it really... I mean, oh, I hated Matt Parsons to make his debut on this pitch. He'd have gone for... Mm. He'd have just gone absolutely around the park on a, on a on a flat pitch. I mean, what what is the... Where, where, where's the benefit in that really uh, I think we should like Leach's performance I think I think he actually bowled okay I mean he didn't get a lot of turn but and Santner did get a lot more turn when he bowled but actually in general spinners never take any wickets in New Zealand Santner's wickets here were the first by a New Zealand spinner since the last time England toured here like almost two years ago so yeah I, I mean I, I think England, they, they've got to pick the team they think is going to help them level the series and I think that's the team that played here yeah I, I wouldn't get carried away from an England point of view at all. New Zealand are a very good team. They're the second best team in the world. And it shouldn't be forgotten, this is a very, very inexperienced England team. I actually can't remember the last time England fielded a team this inexperienced. Seven of the 11 are yet to play 15 test matches. For context, the most inexperienced test cricketers in the New Zealand team are Mitchell Santner and Colin de Grandhome, who are both playing their 19th test match. Very few players instantly nail test cricket, particularly ones as young as Pope. England fans are just going to have to be patient, right? People like Pope, Sibley and Leach in particular really uh, demanded spots in the test side. And whilst it didn't go great in this game, England were only one and a half bad sessions away from securing a very comfortable draw against a very good team. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Um, if they scored 450 rather than 350, which they should have done, and it was only basically through a few brain farts that that didn't happen it doesn't matter if New Zealand scores 600 this that that's a bore draw that even doesn't get close to result yeah I think that's fair I think I think that does shine the light on actually in a way quite how bad England played and and it's been said a lot but the key passage was that second morning when they lost those three wickets but yeah it, the, the the inexperience is is huge and I mean I mean this not not even in the squad they picked in the the players had available in counter they're still the best side they could have picked and it, it just shows how far I have to go that they have been outplayed despite picking the best team they could, and the fact that this new team is just so inexperienced is going to. It's it, yeah. I mean, well, I don't, it, it, it could get worse before it gets better. In that they'll probably lose the second test, maybe not quite as heavily, but they'll probably lose it. But I do, I do think there is real hope for them going forward in the winter. In that this test doesn't make England a bad team as well. Uh, yeah, because as you say, they got closer drawing it, even though they didn't play that well, which says something about the surface. Uh, but they're also an experience only going to get better. I think somebody who, who leads this test with real real extra credit in the bank is Joe Denley. Denley was uh, really excellent today and it was it was only a ball that spat up from the surface unexpectedly that, that, that accounted for him. Yeah, he's, he's proved a lot of people wrong over the last uh, four tests, really. Uh, he just kind of looks like he's got everything in order kind of whenever he goes to bat, which is not something you can say about like a lot of England players in in recent history like um it's yeah he's 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 not he doesn't look like he's going to average 40 in test cricket but he does look like he can be more than us like I think even when he got picked for this tour and people thought that's the right thing to do they were still only saying it as like a stopgap pick until maybe Pope was ready to move up the order or someone else made the their stage claiming counter career but he looks like like I mean he's, he's not that old uh, he, he could. Th- there's no reason why he couldn't bat for like another year, two years in the Test side and have like you know, and 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 fair play to him. He just he'd like 
Uh, I don't think I don't think anyone thought it was going to happen when he came into side originally, and uh, and he, he just he just looks a Test cricketer, doesn't he? Which yeah. is yeah. I mean, age wise, there's no reason why he he shouldn't go to the to Australia in a couple of years' time if he continues to play well. Thanks, Ben. This has been the Wisden Cricket Daily podcast. We'll be back for our weekly show later on in the week before we go back to our dailies for the second Test of the series that starts on Thursday night UK time. If you've enjoyed our daily pods, tell your friends, and if you're in an extra good mood, leave us a five star review. Cheers. Podcast Network.